1: There is no other name given among men. There is no other way. Remember that? When everybody looks at you and said, Jesus is great, but you have to have this, a huge red flag should go up in front of your face. And you should say, wait a minute, I need Jesus. I only need Jesus, and the only thing I need is Jesus. Have I made that clear? I don't need your traditions. I don't need your liturgy. I don't need your whatever, your good works. I need Jesus.
0: Sola Fide, faith alone. Are you feeling lost or unfulfilled in life? In today's message, Pastor Dave talks about how nothing in this world can fulfill us. Only the Lord can. He is the source of true joy, peace, and fulfillment. He offers us a love that can never be matched by anything else. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4. As he continues his message, the council opposes his name.
1: His response was proof that miracles alone can't convict and convert the lost sinner. But we find out in John eleven forty five 45 to four fifty three and in Acts 14, 1 to 20, only the Word of God can do that. It's only the Word of God. We need to go to a side here and take a minute, take a little shortcut here. And we've been talking a lot when we studied the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights. We've been talking a lot about the providential hand of God and how God works things in our lives even before we were saved and brings them through in our lives, and how he's working things now in our lives by his providential hand. And we had the great story of Joseph to back that up. We had the great story of Abraham. My question is, how did Dr. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, know what the council was saying? It says they threw them all out and they conferred among themselves. How did Dr. Luke know that? Well, you might say, well, the Holy Spirit told him. Well, yeah, that's one probable possibility, But you know, in that council, there was somebody else. There's this really young Pharisee, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, born of the tribe of Benjamin, who was sitting there, and he was listening to everything. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And he would later have an experience on the road to Damascus, and Jesus said, your name will be Paul. And he became Paul the apostle. He was in that Sanhedrin, and he probably was watching and hearing. You see God's providential hand on him. Did the apostles know that they were preaching to the next apostle? Did they know that they were preaching to one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived for the gospel of Christ? No, they didn't know that. You never know who's watching. You never know who's listening when you share the gospel message. You never know the results only God knows because we know the scripture says, my word does not come back void. When his word goes into the air, somebody will be listening. When the word goes into the air by your life, somebody's watching. And they'll want to know, oh, yeah, I remember. And when it all clicks together, when the Holy Spirit finally on their day of salvation clicks everything together, they're going to go, wow, it all makes sense. And they start to see how God worked in their lives all along and how they talked to this person and how this person talked to them and how this life or this And all of a sudden they go, wow, and it all makes sense. You never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. Never. Even Saul didn't know it. Even the apostle Paul, who was Saul at that time, didn't know that God was working in his heart. The council comes to a conclusion. Here's what we'll do. Let's threaten them. Yeah, yeah, let's threaten them. Let's shake our fingers at them and threaten them not to do this anymore. Look what it says in the next verse. But so that it spreads no further. I love how they say it. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. What was their conclusion? Let it die, a natural death. Ignore it, and it'll go away. Well, let's threaten them. Let's threaten them. Let's threaten them to forbid using the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't this just like the world? Let's silence the church. Let's keep the church quiet so we can't hear about this Jesus any longer. Let's silence the church. The world is, Satan's been trying to silence the church since day one, and the world is continually trying to silence the church in our lifetime. Can't say Merry Christmas. Now they're even challenging Easter and trying to get Easter out of various things. And heaven, heaven forbid, you pray aloud at a sporting event. Have you ever witnessed a sporting event where they pray, where they have, we're not going to have the invocation by, and they get up there, and they'll pray to every single name in heaven except Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's a godly prayer. That was great. The world is still trying to silence us because they think it's offensive. Offensive to whom? I really believe that inside of people, the world is jonesing and really wanting Christians to stand up and pre-Christians. They really would like to see Christians stand up and really say, wow, that person's really convicted about what they say, and they really believe that message that they're trying to tell me. I think that's what the world's looking for. The world's looking for somebody that they can count on, looking for somebody they can relate to. But what do they get? They get Christians killing doctors at abortion clinics in the name of God. They get a man stoning his neighbor, because God told him to. This is what the world sees. This is what the world says, oh, these crazy Christians. I think the world's looking for conviction in Christians. They don't think the world's jonesing for Christians to stand up and say, we believe in God, and we believe in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to heaven. But these first Christians, these guys really believed. They really believed. They believed that the gospel was the power of God to salvation. They wanted all to come to the knowledge of the truth. We seem to be content in taking a back seat. We seem to be content in sitting back and going, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. I don't want to make any waves. And I mean, after all, you know, this religion itself, its kind of personal. You know, I—I I like it to be personal to me. I don't, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that shares my faith. You know, I'm—I'm I'm kind of—I'm—I'm I'm going to be quiet about it. The creator of the universe is living inside you, and you want to be quiet about it? We're going to find out that these guys at the end of this chapter—these guys are burning so much they can't but speak the truth. They can't but—it's like. Wants to explode in them. Would that we would have that kind of relationship with God through Jesus Christ that it would just burn in our bodies, that it would just be so on fire that we couldn't help but speak the name of Jesus. Would that we would be like that. Oh my goodness, you talk about changing the world. 120 people, men and women, changed the world. They turned it upside down. Why? Because they had that burning within them. Through the Holy Spirit. They had this burning, this passion to share God's word at all costs. Well, they're going to kill you. I don't care. I'm sharing the word of God. I'm not going to obey men. I'm going to obey God. Wow. Would we have that passion? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? People are dying and going to hell. Our loved ones are dying and going to hell. Going to hell forever. We'll be separated from God the Father forever. Total darkness. And we're sitting back passively and allowing that to happen. They're not pointing, guys. I'm pointing right here, please. I'm just as guilty as the next person because we're too passive. We're too content in our Christianity. And we're sitting back and we're holding back. When the world's groaning, tell us. We want to know. It's a sad thing. Very sad. It's a sad thing. But Satan will always attempt to silence his church. These people threatened, and we're threatened not to speak in his name. And we're going to continue to read how thousands upon thousands of people came to the Lord because they wouldn't hold back. Maybe the people around us aren't being saved because they don't believe that what we have is real because we haven't shown them that it's real. Maybe we're holding back too much. Maybe they want to see our conviction. Maybe they're waiting for us to stand up and be who we are, Christians, and say, that's wrong and stand up for righteousness. They opposed the name of Jesus Christ. They didn't want the apostles to teach in that name. Their religious traditions and their religious rights were threatened by the name of Jesus. If this name were to continue to be taught, they feared they would lose their positions. They would lose the importance that they stand in the community. Look at me. I'm a big guy. You teach Jesus, I might lose this. They feared that they would lose their influence over people. They had great influence over people. And yes, it's sad to say they felt They would lose their financial situations. They saw this threat as a way of life and their way of religion, and it had to be stopped at all costs. This is the mindset that Saul of Tarsus set out with. This is the mindset he had when he moved forth. I will stop this at all costs. I will do what I can in the name of God to stop this. Why do people feel threatened by the name of Jesus? My wife comes from a great Italian family. All Italians are wonderful. And as good Italian families, they have a priest in their family. It's the law. If you're Italian, you must either have a priest or a nun in your family. That's the law. She has a priest in her family. When she came back to the Lord and was instrumental in leading me to the Lord, our twins were old enough to go through CCD. We allowed them to go through CCD because they were in the middle of CCD. We allowed them to do that. They got their confirmation, and they came back, and they were asked, why can't we go to church with you? Well, you can, but it was their choice. They started going to church with us. Eventually, we get a phone call from the priest. His name is Anthony. I don't mean to keep saying the priest. Well, we get a phone call from Anthony. He wants to come down and visit us. He wants to talk about this Jesus thing. And he comes down, and he sits on our front porch, and he's, we're explaining to him the love of Christ we have in our heart. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the the wonder, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, to a priest. And he said there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we're all done, he looks at his cousin, he says, now remember, what do you call you, B.B.? He said, remember, B.B., this Jesus thing is all well and good, but you were always Catholic. <laughs> what? I looked at him, I said, I was never Catholic. I was Lutheran. He was putting church over top of Jesus Christ. He was putting the importance of the church. They were threatened. They're threatened by the name of Jesus. It's like you're speaking a cuss word. Jesus, oh, don't say that. I can't hear it. Well, maybe they can't. Why? Why? Because when you say the name of Jesus, when you start talking the gospel message, guess what? Sin goes bang right in your face. And you see your sin, you go, oh. And you're disgusted with your sin because it's right there in your face when you say the name of Jesus. And they look at it and go, oh, my gosh. They can't bear to see their sin. They can't bear to see the unrighteousness that they have. And they're afraid of it. So they said, the best thing we can do, let's threaten them so they won't ever do it again. Let's threaten them. Oh, they're so afraid. My gosh. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is great. But Peter boldly said to this council, boldly said to this council, there is salvation in no other name. He made it quite clear. This was a council who thrived on good works. They thrived, this is a Sanhedrin, they thrived on doing good works and following the law to the letter. And Peter stood up for them, there's salvation in no other name. Why are we silent? It's as if we've been threatened. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been filled with the power of God, the dunamis power, and we've been called to be his witnesses. Why are we so silent? It boggles my mind. The council came up to this conclusion they commanded them to no longer speak in this name. They said, so they called them in and commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. This act of silences was basically the first threat of the church. They used this threat in further times to have the persecution. This started the persecution because almost like, you know, it set a precedent. Well, we told them to stop teaching in this name. We threaten them. Now we must take it a little further. And the persecution of the church starts with a threat. Persecution starts with a, don't say this name in his again. The persecution starts, and pretty soon, it's out and out persecuting, where anybody who says that name is in danger of being in trouble. But we feel that way. I don't think the council was ready for Peter's response. They underestimated the Holy Spirit. In verses 19 through 20, here's Peter's response. Peter and John answered them and said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. Wow. Peter was not going to be intimidated. Peter had a clear mandate from the Lord. He was there in Acts 1, verse 8, when, Peter, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. He heard that. That was a mandate. He was to obey the Lord at all costs. In our story this morning, Martin Luther, when he discovered that studying the word of God, the true meaning of righteousness of God, Luther discovered that this kind of righteousness that came by faith and not by works, with that in mind, with a mandate from God, he challenged the authority in, in Rome. He challenged the Catholic Church. He was going to obey God. He wasn't going to obey traditions. He wasn't going to obey the traditions of man, that man is made up and built up. Well, even the traditions where people say, well, Jesus, you have to have, but you know what? You need this too. Wait a minute. There is no other name given among men. There is no other way. Remember that? When everybody looks at you and said, Jesus is great, but you have to have this, a huge red flag should go up in front of your face. And you should say, wait a minute. I need Jesus. I only need Jesus. And the only thing I need is Jesus. Have I made that clear? I don't need your traditions. I don't need your liturgy. I don't need your whatever, your good works. I need Jesus. Sola fide, faith alone, faith alone. Peter says, whether you or not are going to listen to God or man, that's something that you have to decide. That's something that you have to judge for yourself. And you know what? It's something we have to judge for ourselves. This is another age-old dilemma. Now listen, I am not advocating civil disobedience, please. I am not standing here and go, we're gonna get this government. I'm not advocating civil disobedience. I am not doing that. Read your scriptures, read Romans 13. Read 1 Peter 2, 13 through 25. Read Titus 3, 1 to 2. And it speaks about Christians' responsibility towards authority. We have a responsibility towards authority. The Bible does not allow for civil disobedience. We are commanded by the Scriptures to be in obedience to those that are governing over us. Paul wrote to Romans at the time in which Nero was ruling Rome. We oftentimes think, well, you know, we should be in obedience as long as they agree with us. Well, no, it says we should be on obedience. I do feel that there will be those rare occasions where the law of God does supersede the law of man, and I believe that we are on the precipice, which means we're on the edge. We're on the precipice of that happening, a time when the government and the nation is going to say, Christians, you can't do that. That doesn't go with the word of God. Then we will all have to make a choice. We will all have to make a choice as whether what we will serve. I am not ruling out. That. But we must be obedient to God. We must be obedient to what he has called us to do in Romans 13 and first Peter and in Titus. We must be obedient in our responsibilities towards the authority. In the early church, when they were required to declare that Caesar was Lord or be executed, many of them went to martyrdom when they declared the name of Jesus and refused to declare Caesar is Lord. It was contrary to God's word. When it becomes a matter of conscience, I must be obedient to God. I'm going to obey the law. But being a Christian does not give me an immunity to the law. For the powers are ordained by God. God has put those people in place. Peter said, we can't help but speak of these things. We cannot speak of these things which we've seen or heard. Reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah. Prophet Jeremiah was told by God to go down and teach and talk to these people. And he did. He did but he got thrown in jail. He wasn't real happy about being thrown in jail. In fact, he told God, basically, that's it. I'm tired. I resign. I'm not your prophet any longer. I'm done. You told me to go. I went. They threw me in jail. I'm done. I'm not going back, and you can't make me. Well, he had a change of heart. Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. He's telling the Lord, I will not make mention of him, nor speak of him anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not. This is what Peter is saying to the Sanhedrin. I can't hold this back. You don't understand. It is in me. I need to speak of it. I have to ask you, does God's word burn in you? Does God's word burn in you with such a fever, such a fire, a flame, that you want to give it out? You know the wonders of God's love. You've seen the transformations in your own lives, and all you want is other people to know, to know, to know. Does it burn in you? You've been with Jesus. Remember the, the conclusion that the Sanhedrin made. Well, they've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. Go back to the road to Emmaus. Go back to the road of Emmaus in Luke. When the two disciples are walking down the road of Emmaus and Jesus appears and they have that long, great conversation and they get to dinner and he disappears, what did they say? Did not our hearts burn when he was talking to us? Is your heart burning for the Lord today? Is your heart on fire for the Lord today? Is your heart just burning to bursting for the Lord today and you want everyone to know of him, everyone to come to the knowledge of him, everyone that you know to be saved? So when they had further threatened him, the scripture says, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them, because the people, since they glorified God for what he had been done, for the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Look at this. The Sanhedrin is sitting around. Here's the lame man standing before them. Here's the two accused of healing this lame man in the name of Jesus. They threaten him, and they look out and go, Wow are glorifying God. Peter and John aren't being glorified. Peter and John are not being lifted up. God is being glorified for the wonderful miracle that happened, for the wonderful miracle that was done. The Lord was being lifted up here. The Lord was showing himself strong here. Jesus says in Matthew fourteen sixteen, he wants to talk about the light. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He says, that's what you are. Then he goes on and says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what happened here. These men, even these Sanhedrins, looked into this situation. They investigated. They deliberated over it. They asked incriminating questions. Peter and John never backed down because of their courage. These are untrained, uneducated men. They know scripture. What's going on here? What should we do to these guys? Look at the evidence before us. There's a guy walking, and people are glorifying God. Did Peter and John's light shine? It shined like the sun. It's shining like the glorious sun shining in the morning. That's the way our lives should be when we walk into school tomorrow, when we walk into work tomorrow, when we walk everywhere we go, when we walk into the grocery store. There should be an illumination around us. The illumination is Jesus Christ, and people should see that. People should want that. People should want what we have. We need to be so convicted on what we believe that people will want it. Yes, that's what I want. That's the only way my life will change, because I see the change in you, and I see your life. Peter and John said, for we cannot speak of these things of which we've seen or heard. How can we now? We've been given the message. Guess who the messengers are now? Us. We're now the messengers. We're to carry this forth. We're to carry this message forth so that people would hear the truth and people would know the truth of Jesus Christ. We have a message that's been given to us, a message of hope a message of eternal life, a message of salvation, a message of the forgiveness of sin. We have been given this message for a purpose, and the purpose is to share it. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't hide your light. Put it up on a hill for all to see. Let your light shine, shine, and then men will see the good works that you do, but they'll glorify God. Their eyes will be pointed to God. We have a message that is so powerful, it is the power of God to salvation to all who will believe, Paul says in Romans 1 16. We have that. We've been given that. Let us shine to the occasion. Don't rise up to the occasion. Shine to the occasion. Shine in who you really are. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. The light of Jesus Christ in you. God will be glorified. God will be raised. Up. God is the one we want people to know. The righteousness of God that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. You are a sure hope.
0: You've been listening to a sure hope radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen. Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609 609- 884-5821 That phone number once more is 609-884-5821 Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website assurehoperadio.com We've come to the end of our time together for today but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope